come into God's presence, you know, we sometimes can feel like there's a distance, but there's not. You know, it doesn't have to be a distance. It's like we're seated with him already and our spirits are soaring already. And, and he just... I, I was spending some time with the Lord this week and, and I, I was, he was saying that um, there's a convergence... I love that word, convergence of heaven and earth and that, that earth is, has been converged <laughs> by heaven. Heaven is enveloping earth and, and uh, his glory is, is being more apparent. But sometimes we can become so distracted and busy with the things of the world and we get lo- just loaded down with the things of the world and, and I just really feel the Lord saying, just let go of it. Just get, let go of the world and, and focus on heavy th- heavenly things because he wants to envelop us with his presence, with his glory and, and nothing else. You know, I have this saying, get under the spout where the glory comes out because there's nothing compares to that. And, and it's available to all of us and some of you might have experienced that and some of you might never have experienced that but I want to encourage you, just tap into what is available. Just... You know, it's not a far-off thing. It's not for the hyper-spiritual people. It's for everybody. But it's by letting go and letting God. Saying, God, I just want more of you. God, just show me you. Show me your glory. And, and he'll come and you'll see. And, I, and he'll show you things. I had some time where he was showing me some heavenly things. And they're just amazing. You know, heaven has got different realms. It's got different places. It's like planes and it's not that. There's a hierarchy in heaven. It's like you can see, see all of heaven, but it's like there's busy. There's lots of activity going on and there's quiet places and there's gardens and then there's courtrooms and there's, oh, there's, oh, there's um, spaces and, and lights and ballrooms where they dance and there's children all around and there's people whizzing up and down the corridors and, and it's like for us now, it says we're seated in heavenly places, we're with him, Jesus is in us and we're in him and we don't have to be just waiting. Heaven is not for when you die, it's for now. It says it in the Word. Go looking for it about heavenly places. You know, it says to dig into the Word and find the principles and the keys of the kingdom and we don't just have to... Be happy with, oh, I would just have to do it hard down here. And when we get to heaven, everything's nice. He wants us to experience that now. And it just lifts your load as we were singing this morning. It says, take a moment and consider who God is and who I am in him. That you are righteous and worthy and able to go and experience heaven on earth. Heaven now. And it's for all of us. And, you know, just one touch of heaven and you can be like sloughing wrong, getting stressed out and you just tap into heaven and it all just lifts off. And, yeah, it is like there's power and there's glory and your physical body doesn't know what to do with that, but it's available to all of us. So I just want to encourage you to go to those places in God and, and if you've never been there before, just to open up your heart, as Mum was saying, open up your heart and let God in and uh, he'll blow your mind. And, and nothing else really matters when that happens. It's like, oh, yeah, it'll be right, you know, it'll be right. And it's for now. So don't wait till you die because, <laughs> boy, that's a, you know, that's a long time for some of us <laughs> and, and others. <laughs> All of us, you know, our full life is a long time. So I just want to encourage you. Amen? Yeah. All right. I'll get off the hot seat now.
Isaiah 43 says, when I find it, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, verse 18. Behold, I do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I, um, I received a prophecy this week from a group that were prophesying over Australia. And they sort of flow through and this came through a network of people that I have. And I was reading the prophecy and it didn't strike me as true. And that bothered me a little bit because I know the organisation it came from and who they were and, and so on. And, and they were prophesying about Australia. And, and I was sitting over it going, what's wrong here, God? What's wrong here? And um, so I was praying in tongues over it. Just praying in tongues going, God, look, just need a revelation here. And God started to speak about what this prophecy was saying. And it was, it was talking about particularly things like the Toronto Blessing, which was a move of God about 20 years ago. Now, when I say that, it sounds like, jeez, it was 20 years ago. And um, it's called the Toronto Blessing because it sort of, well, it didn't start there, but it sort of got probably its notoriety um, in Toronto in a church there. And uh, it was a very powerful move of God. And this prophecy was talking about the Toronto Blessing and saying that God was going to do that again. And God spoke to me and he says, I don't do things again. And as I read through this prophecy, I thought it was all about God doing things again. And it was talking about the nameless, faceless church, which is a, a term that always really grates me. Because God never, ever raises up a nameless, faceless church. And the two things that really got me with that, that one, it was about God redoing the past. And God never does the rethinks. He says, forget the former things. It's interesting where you read that passage where he says that because he talks before that and he talks about how he brought the Egyptians out of Egypt and, you know, part of the Red Sea. And what he says to them, yes, remember what I did, but don't go back there. And just like for the Israelites, they couldn't go back there. They didn't want to go back into slavery in Egypt so they could come out again. All right. No one wants to do that. And yes, he said, remember what I did and celebrate what I did and build upon that was what he was telling them to do. But this prophecy was talking about going back and a lot of it's because probably the organisation and the people in there, um, for them that was a big highlight in their life. It was you know, their time in their life where they probably felt closest to God and it really probably brought them out of, for a lot of people, out of a conservative place into, a, into you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the problem is though that they're stuck there. And they're saying, you know, this is what God's going to do again. And I'm going, no, God's not going to do that again. I've seen God move in different moves around the world in even my time, and they're never the same. He says, forget the former things. Not don't remember it, don't go back to it. Don't dwell there, don't live there. He says, I'm doing a new thing. And he talks about the nameless, faceless church. Well, the church is not nameless and faceless. We have Jesus. But what they're trying to say is, you know, it's not going to be about personalities, but that's not true either. Because God gave us personalities. He gave us an identity. He says, I know the plans I have for you. And I get a little 
to be honest, a little annoyed with the prophetic voice or supposed prophetic voice that comes through and says that, you know, it's not going to be about people. It's never about people. When we look, we read through the, the New Testament, we see what Peter did. We see what Paul did. And we can identify them. They're not nameless, faceless people. And what God says is we need to mimic, we need to mimic them. We need to be like them. Paul says, you know, imitate me while I imitate Christ. And the church has to be the same. That he gave us a plan and a purpose for us as a body and for us as individuals. We're not nameless and faceless. We just reflect Jesus. So as I thought through that and I thought about this, this passage, I thought, why do we often want to go back? Why do we want to play it safe? Why do we want to go back to what was? Usually it's because we liked what happened. It creates good memories. So we want to go back to the good memories. It's good to remember what God's done. But don't live there because God's not there. He's not I was. He said I am. It's familiar and we can control it. The funny thing is that when things are exciting, you usually can't control them. I was talking to a friend of mine um, who did a, a lap around Barbagala race car, Raceway in a, in a V8 supercar. And he says, if you get in the car and the guy says, you forget everything you know about driving, it's all wrong. It's fine out in the roads, but the moment you get on that racetrack, it's all wrong. He says, you've learned defensive driving, you need to learn offensive driving to drive on a racetrack. And he says, you can't hurt the car, it's fine. So he says, the guy takes you around for a couple of laps and then you accelerate. He says, you're going fast and you're going fast and you're going fast. And he says, you see the corner coming and every instinct in you is to start braking. And the guy will say to you, don't touch the brake. Not yet. Not yet. And he says, you're getting closer and closer and closer to the corner. And he keeps saying to you, not yet, not yet, not yet. And he says, you get to the point where you think you're beyond any not yet. And he's still saying, not yet, not yet. Because everything former in you says, we are beyond safety measure. Yeah, he says, the first couple of not yet's, not yet, you're like, yeah, okay, okay, I can understand that. He says, after about the 10th not yet, you're going, we're going to crash. This, this is it, we're done. But he says, you have to trust the guy that knows what he's doing. You have to forget everything you know. You have to forget the former. You have to let go of the safe and embrace the new or you don't get the full experience. He says, and then you get to a point where he says, okay, break now. And he says the ride is the thrill of your life as you go around the corner. Everything in you is screaming, ah, while enjoying the journey. That's the thing about going back is you never ever get to take the ride. The past may have been great, but what's around the corner is even more exciting. Let go of the past. If the past isn't positive, sometimes you want to do a do-over. Maybe something's happened in our past and we're going, I got that wrong or I handled that wrong or what happened to me wasn't fair and I want to change how I handle that situation. You can't. You can't change what's been. You can't change what's happened. You have to let it go. You have to let God forgive you. You can't change it. It's a former thing.
That's all the ones you can forget. And you go, but I can't forget. It keeps coming up. Yeah, but you've got to forgive yourself. You can't change what you've done. You can't change what's been done to you. You can't change how you handle the situation. You can't change a failure. But you can forgive yourself. That's the whole point of the cross. Is to deal with the former things. Guilt is Satan's way of taking you back. Fear is Satan's way of taking you back. If you're going to live in Satan's world, you can live a life of fear and of guilt. But God says, forget the former things and embrace the new. Verse 19 says, Behold, I do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. God doesn't go back. He does new things. And the funny thing is the new will challenge the old. Because the new takes your mindset and goes, Whoa, hold on. How can that be? Just like the guy driving the car heading towards the corner. Everything into him, in him says, This is wrong. And we have that attitude when we haven't experienced something new. We go, this is wrong. Or it hasn't happened like this before. Or it isn't supposed to be like this. If you've ever driven a car towards a corner, the first thing your instructor says is, slow down. If you're anything like my daughters, they charge the corner and then they hit the skids when they first start driving. Because they're discovering the power of the accelerator and then the power of the brake. But when you go into a new thing, just like the guy driving that car, you have to approach it differently. You have to change the way that you think. You have to embrace the new. Because if he didn't embrace the new and he still did the old, he would have driven around that racetrack at 60 k's an hour. I drove around Bathurst once with my dad. And we're going through the corners. And this was in my dad's big V8 car. It's a station wagon. It was still a big V8. It was a powerful Fairmont. When you put the foot down that thing, it went. But when you drive around Barbagallo, it's got a speed limit of 60 k's an hour. And we were going through some of those corners and looking at each other going, how do you go through at 60 k's an hour through this corner? Because we were down at 40 and 30 through some of the corners. And they go through over 100 k's an hour through those same corners when they race it. And you go, it's just not possible. See, they have to forget the former things. They have to have a new mindset. They have to be geared up, ready to do it. That's what God's like when he does a new thing. He challenges the old mindset because God's into new stuff. He says, sing me a new song. You know, not the hymns that Jesus sang, which I always think is hilarious because they're written in the 1500s. 1500 years after Jesus, but let's not go there. But he says, sing me a new song. He says, behold, I do a new thing. And the funny thing about God is he keeps doing new things. Yeah, as a church, we're going into a new thing. We're going into a launch. We have to forget the former things. 
of what we've done previously as a church. We have to get things that we've done previously in other churches or in other places or in other parts of your walk in life and embrace the new thing that God's doing. And I know that's not easy. There are times I sit there and go, oh, God, what are we doing? Especially look at the amount of work we've got to do. You think, oh, and Satan will love to remind you of where you failed in the past, of where you can't do it, of where things have been said or done previously that are anything like what you're doing. But God says, no, no, forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Embrace it. When God does a new thing, the comfortable becomes uncomfortable. It becomes work. It becomes unfamiliar. Embrace what God is doing in your life, the new things. So you have a choice. Do we deal with our past, receive forgiveness for our wrongs, and celebrate the good and embrace the new? Or do we hold on to the past, even spiritualize it so that we're justified? Even if it wasn't good or positive, we can still spiritualize it. And remain there, allowing it to limit our future. You've got a choice. You can hold on to what has happened before. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's difficult, whether it was God, whether it was sin. Or you can receive that forgiveness and step into what God has for you. We have a new thing upon us as a church. We've got fresh direction. It builds on the past. It builds on where we've been. We're bringing a stream in the desert. Life to the lifeless, hope to the hopeless, love to the unloved. We have to embrace a new thing or we can't do those things. And God's doing a new thing in you. Forgiveness for those things you think you can't be forgiven of. Healing for those things you don't think you can be healed of. A new future to overcome your past. So I was saying the other day, you know what? You can get anywhere in the world from right where you are. Therefore, you are in the center of the world. You can't control where you've been, but you can get anywhere God wants you to be from where you are right now. You have to choose to go there. Is it easy? I can guarantee you it's not. It's a challenge to embrace what God has for you because it challenges your mindset. It changes how you think and how you approach. But it's one of the best rides you'll ever take in your life. You can get to where God has for you to be from where you are right now. You don't have to be anywhere else. Because the journey starts where you are. Jesus didn't die so he could be stuck in the past. He died so the new could come forward. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have a newness for us. Lord, I pray for every person here right now in the name of Jesus. Father, where there is hurt and there is pain from the past, where people are struggling to forgive themselves for things they've done or things done to them, or the way they've reacted and gone through situations, 
Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'll come and extend your forgiveness and your grace. Father, each person will receive your forgiveness. Receive your love. Lord, each person will forgive themselves for what they've done. We pray healing now in the name of Jesus. Wholeness. Fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. We pray come Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Fill it with your presence. Fill it with your love. Come and do a new thing, Lord. Come and do a new thing. Refresh us with your living water. Bring healing and wholeness, we pray. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.